considering the fact that normally you like to have started i do I, I like i like literally boom 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 we're done and then i can gallop off and, and leave, leave me joe to edit, to edit it all <laughs> I do none of that. I do none of that. Also, I'm very upset because last time we recorded, Mm. we did the wonderful tale. And I'm going to call it the tale of Tanner and Clark. And I know it's not. Yeah, but you can't remember anything else that happened. I can't remember anything else that happened other than the the duo of uh, Tanner and Clark. Now, I did promise an amazing ident. I am so upset, but my drawing tablet to my iMac has just died on me now there will be a delay in that ident oh i know exactly what i know it's piling up quite you've got almost a hundred idents to do oh my god right okay well i'm not sure i'll get them all done there might have to be a hiatus and then a start again no you know that scene in uh christmas carol Mm. where he leaves but the bookkeepers are toiling with one lump of coal in the fire yeah That'll be you. That will be me. Yeah. It will That's be your me. Christmas. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric, a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with this story. Mm-hmm. Begins in the Victorian era. Again. I'm we so- always have Victorian ones now. This is just like... I'm sorry. You like, you like some of the trappings of semi-modern technology in your stories i do because i like transport and you know there's there's a there's a limit to how far back you can get good transport yeah but it starts in the victorian era because Mm. in 1841 the Mm. rectory in the small village of borley burned to the ground okay well that's a bit sad but okay now borley is on the border of essex Mm -hmm. and sussex all right all the sussexes all these sussexes and even today, it can barely really be called a village. It is so small that the parish council consists of literally everyone who lives there. Amazing. With decisions being taken en masse at regular parish meetings. This is this is just amazing, but it, it does remind me of some of the villages that we, I suppose, we drove through mm. when we lived down south in um, in Wiltshire. It's like the rotten borough of Dunny on the Wold. Yeah, it Mm. is, isn't it? So it's likely that the reverend who had been living in the rectory at the time, Mm. Reverend Herringham, Mm. was actually quite pleased to have an excuse to move on to bigger and better things. Gives him the opportunity. Mm. Indeed, the posting seems so undesirable that the people of Borley had to make do by borrowing vicars from local parishes for the next 20 years Oh, Bef- that's a long time for an interregnum. That's mm-hmm. what it's called, by the way. Oh, I knew you'd know some, some good little <laughs> churchy facts for us. Yes. We're friends with a vicar, so we know all the terminology. Well, you do. I do. Hello, vicar. Hello, vicar. We're going to meet many vicars, don't worry. Oh, very This good. is a vicar-heavy episode. Oh, wow. So, after 20 years of an... Interregnum. Thank you. They were finally able to convince someone, anyone else to take on the job of rector at the lovely little 12th century church. See, I, I just imagine him now, it's just like some bobber job vicar, but he's got some kind of like sneaky wheelings and dealings going on in the background. Okay, well... That's that's kind of where I'm thinking. He's just going, oh, quiet little village, can do some kind of like dark dealings, black market stuff get away with it because there's not exactly a massive but then also on the flip side you haven't got a lot of people to hide behind so you know well the chosen one the person who took it on Mm. was reverend henry dawson ellis bull big name he was a keen amateur boxer which is something you want in your vicar yeah and the grower of a truly magnificent mustache very good though he did only agree to take the job on one condition which was that the rectory be rebuilt to his own design and that he didn't have to pay for it. So the people of Borley had to pay for the rectory to be rebuilt. Well, surely that should be the diocese. Or, you know, the yeah, the diocese, that's right. The oh. diocese... Well, he had very specific needs and they all had to be met. So it wasn't, we'll, we'll give you a rectory. Yeah, it was, this is giving you me will secret give me rooms. This is giving me... This is giving me nod and winks. This is giving... Yeah, this is giving me seedy undertones, this. Okay. 
Well, he wanted his new rectory to be big and impressive. Okay. Partially because he would end up having somewhere in the region, because accounts vary, of 14 children. Okay. And you need rooms for all those sprogs. And partially... Was he C of E? He was. Okay, that's yeah, that's fine. And partially because, well, apparently this entire family were Anglo-Catholic, meaning, yes. you know... Church of England. But they quite like some of the trappings of Catholicism and tried to sneak them in. Most of C of E is Anglo-Catholic, mm. to be honest, so... But partially because he was in competition with other members of his own family. Right. You see, his brother Felix... Oh, Felix that's Bull, a lovely name. He was the reverend in nearby Pentlow. Okay. And was responsible for a church that was famous for having a round rather than square tower. It's still there. You can see pictures of it. It's lovely. That's really interesting, Very unique. Okay. While his father, Edward, also a reverend in the local area... They tend to... It's a family affair, mm. usually, vicarin. Yeah. Well, he had recently completed, in his own back garden, the building of a 90-foot-tall tower in 1859 so that he could watch the farm labourers toiling in his fields and keep tabs on who he felt wasn't working hard enough. Okay, that he sounds a bit of a knobhead. But... So he, it literally was just a spiral staircase up to a viewing platform so that he could look. Oh my God, could you imagine shouting out, Oi, you, you shit! <laughs> just like, what? I don't know if he had like a megaphone up there or yeah. if he just took notes, he's scribbling furiously and then yeah, later... Yeah, I don't know, because you wouldn't be able to see that much detail. From the field. No, no, he's yelling. But with those two properties in the family, he didn't want to be the, you know, the poor relation architecturally. So he ordered his new rectory built from red brick in a Gothic revival style. Nice and understated. Hmm. Originally, it was built in an L shape, but he soon had to add an entirely new wing. Such was how virile this man proved wow. to be okay uh, and it ended up looking almost like a complete because the, the new wing had a little kink on it so it almost made an entirely uh, contained courtyard okay so yeah in the middle he was like seven eighths of the way to building a giant square wow mm. okay because he was having all of these kids yeah which included but may not have been limited to constance dody esther ethel frieda dody yes Constance, Dodie, Esther, Ethel, Frieda, Kathleen, Mabel, Millie, Alfred, Basil, Gerald, Harry, Hubert and Walter. Meaning There's some names. that the Bull family single-handedly increased the population of the entire parish by nearly 10%. They represented a tenth of everybody who lived in Borley. Oh my God, I bet the, I bet the local school absolutely hated them. I think they were the local school. I think people <laughs> they just were around. the local school. Rather than them going to the teachers, the teachers came to them. Yeah. And by all accounts, the new Bully Rectory was a very happy home. That's all right. Henry Bull and his family were well-liked in the local community, being as how they took in servants, they had gardeners, so they did provide a good proportion of the locals with jobs. I mean, the problem problem with this story in saying that they're a very large family... Yeah. ...is because down the road, in the UK, we have a show called what is it 23 kids and counting right and they are the lovely radford family they live down the bloody road from us and i see her on the daily sue radford taking her kiddies to the local school i'm not going to say which one it is because you know it doesn't show it on the on the film so it's not fair to say but to the local school down the road so that you're me, imagining the radford's but the dad's a vicar. But the dad's a vicar and it's a bit smaller. Mm. I'm just saying. Oh. Henry Bull, not only did he provide most of the local community with their living, mm. he also threw lavish parties to which he'd invite them all. Mm-hmm. And at Christmas, he made sure to provide presents for his entire congregation, which pretty much was everyone in Borley in the surrounding area. Oh. Tobacco for the men and Fair sweets enough. for the women's and children's. Oh, that's really cute, actually. That's mm. nice. I like that. He may also have been quite good at telling stories about ghosts. Oh, now I see. I like this. Now, prior to Henry Bull arriving in 1862, yeah. there was precisely one claim of a ghost sighting in Borley. Okay. And that had occurred 20 years prior. Right. There was a ghostly figure scene moving somewhere near Borley Church. Right. Okay. That's all. It was... That's very, very vague. 
That's that's all there was. Right, anyway, okay. Henry must have heard that. Mm-hmm. Because during the time that Henry was the reverend, it became accepted knowledge in the local area right. that the gardens of Borley Rectory were the home of a ghostly nun who would glide along the garden path. Right. Okay. But bear in mind this rectory's new. Ah, but it was built upon an old rectory that was built oh, upon an older oh, building. Oh, right, okay, in an ancient and team burial, burial ground. And it is true that there is... Shit. Bullshit. There is considered to be either four or five previous buildings, the remains of which can be seen in the same area. So it's not like there was the old rectory and the new rectory. There was something before that. There was something before that. There okay, were cellars not, underneath. Yeah, but there's not people living, uh, buried in rectory grounds, Joe. This is where the vicar lives. It's not the fucking church. Well. It's the rectory. It's where the priest lives. Was it always the rectory? Was it something else? It was always the rectory. You don't know that? I do. I can You've say not been with, to Borley. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm fairly confident. Someone, Henry. Someone. Had told the bull children that the old cellars on which their home had been built yeah. had originally belonged to a Benedictine monastery in the 1300s. Based on? It's a good story. They were told... <laughs> such a dad thing I'm to do. I'm telling you what the kids were told. They were this also told that one of the monks from this Benedictine monastery yeah. had taken a shine to a nun from a local convent and had resolved to seduce her. <laughs> With his bald head shining in the moonlight. Bedtime story. <laughs> what a great bedtime story. I'm guessing this was told um, in autumn near All Hallows' Eve. The two secret lovers, mm. they conspired together to break their vows and escape to the continent, but had been discovered at the last minute. Oh, what a shame. The monk had been beheaded. Lord. Okay. Yeah. While the poor young nun had been bricked up in the cellars of the monastery to die slowly from starvation and thirst. You know what that is, right? Screaming for mercy that. while the, the monks above yeah. listened on listened in on. silence. Right, okay. Well, this is a story and told that is by why a there daddy is a nun. to his children to stop them going in the cellar. Well... That is exactly what that is. The story... Because you come up with stuff like that and freak the kids out. Yeah, yeah, I do. The story, it's even at that time, it was a bit of a trope. It was a bit of a, you know, a story that many people had told in many different places in many different ways. Oh, yes. And it was probably just a way for Henry Bull to keep his children entertained on mm-hmm. cold autumn night. Mm-hmm. However... Tell us about the beheaded monk and the poor woman been the walls, Daddy. No, it's, tell, us, hell? tell us a story, Daddy. Yes, my time to shine. <laughs> I have, as his wife sits there and goes, Jesus, I don't want to go to sleep. Why? Dead nuns! Oh, fuck's sake. Well, <laughs> the children, they actually quite liked the story and they took it to heart. Oh, and in order no. to further fuel their imaginations, right. Henry changed the name of one of the longer paths in the garden to the Nun's Walk. Right. And claimed that the summer house he had, had built next to it was so that he could indulge in a bit of ghost spotting in relative comfort. Oh, my God. He took it too far. Well, That's what happened. Now, it is true, though, mm. that he spent a lot of time in the summer house. Though, when you have a house with 14 children in it, I don't think it was ghost spotting so much as it was taking a break. Yeah. And he did periodically claim that he had seen the nun walking up and down the path. Just so he'd come his, in, he'd come in. Wife. No, he'd come in from the summer house and yeah. the kids would be like... What what happened, Daddy? Oh, yeah, I saw the nun. She went, she was going down towards the end there, down towards where it meets the road. Mm. She was off, still looking for her love. The children repeated the story to their friends. <laughs> and they repeated it as fact, because you would. Your dad has told you that this has mm. happened. You're not still just young and impressionable. Dad, not just your dad, the vicar said. The vicar said the vicar that there's lie. definitely a ghost. <laughs> yeah, and right. soon, others in Borley were claiming to have had their own paranormal experiences oh, right. around Borley Rectory. Oh, did they now? For example, in the... Mass su- hysteria is a real thing, you know. In the summer of 1885, a young friend of the family called Peter Shaw Jeffrey was staying in the house during the holidays mm. when he claimed to not only have seen the nun, but to have also heard a phantom coach driving past the house. Where does that figure into the story? It doesn't. It's, it's nice, isn't it? A phantom coach... 
Mm. A ghostly coach. It's adding. You're adding a bit of flavour. All right, a bit of spice, a bit of pep. You've taken story. that story. You've just you've just added another extra layer to it. Mm. He also claimed that he had experienced poltergeist activity within the rectory itself. Mm. In the bedroom, he was using because you you know when you've got like an extra wing built, you've got a few spare rooms in case more children arrive. In the bedroom that he'd been given to use over mm. the summer. Or you kick the kids out and put them on, put you up beds. Mm. Well, he claimed he'd lost a rather large French dictionary and he couldn't find it. He was studying <laughs> French. I was going to say, that's the kind of thing you take with you. It's a French to English dictionary. He was studying French over the summer, so he had it in his room. Okay. But he lost it and he couldn't find it for several days, which is, I mean, if you're trying to study French and you don't have your French to English dictionary, what are you doing? Yeah. Anyway. Late one night, after he'd given it up as lost forever, and probably placed an order to get a new one sent out in whatever the Victorian version of Amazon was, he was woken by a thump. Mm. And he lit a candle, only to see the dictionary, severely battered and Mm dog-eared, lying in the dead centre of the room. Right. The door to his bedroom had been locked the entire time. (gasps) Bum, 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 bum! How had it got there? Was, it was a ghost. No, it was a kid under the bed. It it was locked. Right. He'd notice if a kid was a kid would wait until the dead would wait under a bed for hours mm-hmm. in order to run out, drop a thing, jump back under the bed. That's that's a lot of effort for a kid to put into a prank. Did I ever tell you the story of when mum and dad lost Milo? No. Was he under a bed? He was under the spare bed in the front room at my mum and dad's house and they said it, they'd lost him for half an hour. They could no. not find him anywhere. They were calling him. He was as quiet as our mouse. He did not giggle. He didn't make a noise. As far as they were concerned, he'd gone into the house and he'd disappeared. Well, Master so, Jeffrey was you know. adamant that no one else had been in the room. No one could have got into the room. Okay. But it had just appeared. And soon, the servants, finding that this was quite a fun thing, you know, to be involved in, they mm. were working in a haunted house. They were claiming ghostly sightings and unexplained phenomena. Right. And when they went home to tell their families, the stories became more and more embellished. Right. Eventually, the idea that Borley Rectory was haunted Mm. was widely accepted by everyone in the local area. It was just a fact. Fair enough. And the whole affair seemed to fit with Henry Bull's reputation as being a bit of an eccentric. Mm -hmm. He was, you know, this... Larger than life, eccentric. Mm, mm. Um, so it, it fit with his personality that his house would have a, would have ghosts, many ghosts. Yeah, and it, they were all quite benign. There was ne- nothing. Never mind the fact that his house is new. Yeah, there was. He had it built. Yes, yeah, he new. had it built, but the ghosts were based on all of the old buildings that used to be there, and the people of Borley loved it okay. because it was. We've got ghosts, you know. Oh, no, they've got a thing. They've got a thing, and they all quite like it, because it's an in-joke <sighs> that they're all in on. Yeah, I get I get that, but it's all, it's almost like those those people who make, you know, wearing Doc Martin boots their entire personality. Well, no, I think they all had other things that they got on with, but it was just a nice thing. Oh, yeah, Borley, we have all of these ghosts that hang around the vicarage. The nickerage. The knockerage. The knockerage. It is possible that without Henry's continuing to drive the narrative of the mm-hmm. ghost sightings they might have petered out. Okay. However, when he died in 1892 of syphilis. No! Of syphilis. (gasps) Were all the kids his? Oh, yeah. No. He's white? No. Yeah. All the the kids were his, yeah. Oh, And possibly some more besides, but anyway. Oh, God. But the job of rector went to his own son, Harry. Okay. Harry was far more sympathetic to the Catholic practices than his, his, his old dad had been. Right. So he's far more over to the Catholic side of the Anglo-Catholic leaning. Yeah. And he was an avid believer in both spiritualism and the afterlife. As in, you could have a presence on earth. Oh, right. Afterlife. Okay. I mean, I know that a vicar who didn't believe in the, the afterlife, afterlife would be a pretty poor vicar. Yes. He was convinced that he had seen the nun and other apparitions with his own eyes mm. and would often tell his siblings that if, when he died, he didn't like the look of the afterlife. Mm. He would be sure to manifest himself in some way to let them all know. Okay. So whereas his dad kind of knew he was spinning a yarn, mm-hmm. his son, who bought that tail hook, line and sinker, was oh, now in charge no. and was like, no, no, no. 
this isn't a story. This is real life. Yeah, because Daddy wouldn't lie. No, Daddy wouldn't lie. And Daddy never slept with those other women. Syphilis. And Daddy wasn't gibbering and mad by the end. Dreadful. But if you think Harry's a bit of a wet blanket and a bit of an idiot... I definitely think There is a redeeming feature that I'm sure you'll appreciate. Go on. He liked cats. Oh, I like cats. To the point that he was often followed by a gang of up to 20 of them wherever he went. Oh my God. Until 1937, Borley Rectory, as well as the nun, the phantom coach and the poltergeist in the house, also contained a rather impressive cat graveyard. With Amazing. individual mini headstones for oh, each no. of his beloved pets. Oh, you see, that makes me really sad. Mr. Tibbles. And the reason names. I say up until 1937 is because on one fateful night in 1937, mm. somebody, a person unknown, dug up all of the cat skeletons and took them. No one knows where and no one knows why. That's really sinister. Isn't it? And it even like even like a that's prank. one for unsolved mysteries, isn't it? Even like a pre- that that's really fucking dark. Don't worry, Harry was dead by that stage. Oh. Harry continued his father's tradition of spending time in the summer house to observe the nuns' walk. Right, taking this to such extremes that he would often stay awake most of the night to the point that he was known for dozing off when giving the sermon. Oh my god. He also may have had narcolepsy, so I don't want to be too cruel to him. No, but it's just like you know, you know, when a dad joke goes too far, his dad took it too far because. And this is the consequence. And this is of the a... consequence of that dad joke. Let this be a lesson to you, Joe. Yeah, because you I... have characters that our kids are kind of semi-terrified of. Yes, that's true. So you know, but I can pull them out. You know, in extremists. Unsurprisingly given his um, nocturnal activities. At yeah. least they weren't as nefarious as his dad's apparent nocturnal uh, activities. Yes, absolutely. Mm, his prolific. wife, <laughs> Harry's wife, insisted on having separate bedrooms so that she wasn't disturbed by her husband randomly getting up to go ghost hunting. Yeah, that would really... And to be honest, your alarm going off at quarter past six annoys me. So imagine if so... at 2am I was like, The Nun! No. I must go see no, the nun. No, 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 no. Our marriage wouldn't have lasted as long as it has so far, or would it last into the future if that was the case? Because I like my sleep. According to Harry, though, his diligence paid off, and he claimed that he saw the nun many, many times over the years. In his dreams, literally. No, no, because his conviction, it proved to be contagious. As on July 28th, 1900, three of his sisters, Ethel, Frieda and Elsie, they were on their way back from a party Mm. and they swore that as they walked across the lawn at Borley Rectory, they saw the nun gliding around just a few yards in front of them. Right. A little shaken, Elsie ran into the house to grab their older sister, Dodie. What name is that? I I can't believe that's a real name. I believe it was a nickname, but I don't know what a real name was. So they grabbed Dodie and they're like, she's not been drinking. She's, if it's a group hallucination, she's not part of it. We'll Mm -hmm. drag her out. Mm -hmm. She confirmed that there was indeed a floating figure of a woman who got about 50 metres away from them at that stage. Mm. They tried to talk to her. But as soon as they shouted, Oi, you! The figure disappeared. Oh, Wow. And I don't mean it ran off. I mean, it just appeared. Okay, in a, in a piff-puff-puff. Yeah, just... Right, okay. Elsie saw the ghost again in November, this time in the company of a maid, who again, mm-hmm. she's not a bull, but she no. fully corroborated the story. She was like, okay. yes, there is this ghost. I definitely saw it with Elsie. Yeah. Apparitions began manifesting more often within the building as well. Right. With the most commonplace being at the top of the main staircase. Okay, so uh, you know all these, all these now. Now Harry's the priest, and mm. he's with his wife. Yeah, and potentially his own children. All of these siblings are still living there. It's a big house. They did eventually start moving out, but right. there was okay. uh, they stayed for a long while because okay. it was the family home. You know, yeah, they could move out when they were ready. All oh, right, oh yeah. one of those. Right. Yeah, okay. While Harry Ball took to believing that when the servants' bells began ringing of their own volition. It was a sign that some misfortune was about to befall a member of the Bull family. So the bells 
Oh, just start, the bell. They just start jingling, lingling, and there'll be right. no one pulling on the thing to get attention. Okay. Be like, you know, like that yeah. scene in um, a Christmas Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh yes. Where the little yeah, servants' yeah, yeah, bell yeah, starts yeah, going, yeah. and yeah. Um, it gets really sort of freaked out by yeah. it. Yeah, it, it would freak me out to be honest. Mm. Yeah, and then Statler and Waldorf turn up. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Still, all of this spectral activity was within the context of a bright, happy home containing a large family. Yes. And was only really known within the confines of a small, tight-knit community. So it was benign, it was mm. something that everyone celebrated. It mm. was just a, oh, look at us, look at what we've got going on here. <coughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Outsiders, they don't know. No, what would they know? Well, that's the wrong side of the country, sorry. Outsiders, they don't know about this. They don't know nothing. This is ours. Yeah. Our little ghosties. Fuzzy netics. Harry Bull died on June 9th, 1927. Mm. And the house began to fall into a gloomy state of disrepair. Oh. Though a guy did move in in October 1928. Yeah. Reverend Guy Eric Smith, to be exact. This was only after 12 other vicars had visited and decided that there was no way in hell they were going to live in a dilapidated ghost house. Yeah, also, it's a, it's a large property to take on. I think that's more it, actually. That would be my sticking point, is the house is too fucking big. Well, the house was the right size for the Bull family, and the reason that they could yeah. maintain it is because they were a family of money. They were landowners. Yeah, they were landowners, and all, there were so many of them. There was a lot of people to do things, mm. you know, if things needed do. And they could pay for servants and, and gardeners. Yeah, exactly. So as soon as he died, and they were like, right, we need somebody else to move into the rectory. Mm. Again, it's hard to find people who want to go to Borley. Yeah. And after about a year, it started to look a bit weather. You know, people weren't putting the fires in. And yeah. damp was getting in. Yeah. So when they finally did convince some vicars to come and have a look, mm. they were looking and they're like, I I can't afford to run this place. I can't afford the servants I'd need. No, and no. the diocese aren't helping that much. I, it's too much. They don't. Hmm. They don't. That's that's the point. They just don't. To be fair to Guy, though, he probably only took the job because he hadn't viewed the property before accepting. Oh, wow. Oh, that was a rookie mistake. Viewing it not viewing it yeah. but he got there I was going to say viewing it blind no he didn't even he didn't even view it <laughs> and the people of Borley they gave him the puppy dog eyes and like do we finally get our own vicar again sir please do you, sir do you love us sir we'll make you feel ever so welcome sir mm. and he thought okay I'll give it a go no go on I'll you. try yeah however because Unfortunately, the Smith family didn't have a fortune to fall back on. <laughs> or like, how many members? 16 members? He could only afford to occupy a few of the rooms at Borley Rectory, allowing the others, entire wings, to continue gathering dust and decay. Yeah, surely there's there's an answer to this somewhere, isn't there? A massive empty house mm. and a vicar. I mean, and let's face it, the church is you know, big on the old charity front, surely there's people that you could move in to well, the extensive size of this house and make it more worthwhile. No, no, you have to let it fall into disrepair. Mm. And it may be because of this decline in the living standards in the rest of the house that the spirits present began turning mean. Right, okay. The the, the ones that were completely Happy made Happy and up. lovely. During the time that Guy was the vicar and mm. living in Baldy Rectory. Again, no connection to the Bulls. No. Nope. Never been there before. He and his wife reported that keys shot out of locks. <coughs> right. And at times they could hear a ghostly voice whispering, Don't, Carlos. Don't. Who's Carlos? Carlos. Carlos. Who's Carlos? Who, who knows? Maybe he's one of those monks trying oh to ravish another nun. God. Carlos the, the, the monk? Carlos the monk. Ravishing a nun. Well, he... In Essex? Yeah, he, he right, shipped this over... Is getting, from, no, this he is shipped over really from the continent. Silly now. This is getting He was full of silly. that sort of, you know, Mediterranean, passionate blood, and he, he thought he could have he the chase life of a monk. He wanted to go to... Right, okay, a monk in this tiny... He saw his first vajazzle, and he just lost his little mind. Carlos the monk in this tiny wee village. We well, don't know that it was a monk. It was just someone called Carlos. Mm. But also... The people of Borley 
they started noticing things that they hadn't seen before, like lights in the unoccupied rooms and the sound of heavy, ominous footsteps within the building itself. Right, well, why are all the people going in it? Because they went to visit the vicar. Right, but you wouldn't be going into... Never have I gone a snooping. No, not snooping. They'd be in the, the rooms that the vicar was keeping. Right. And then you'd hear from one of the other wings where no one was, this dum, 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 of these heavy footsteps. Right. And they'd come towards the door. Yeah. And then you'd open it and there'd be nothing there. You see, you can tell that, like, you know all these, like, ghost hunting programmes, you can tell they left a really kind of, like bad impression on me can't you i don't believe any of it i I do not believe in ghosts well i'd need to i'd need to witness and believe completely by myself without anybody else's input to even believe a tiny bit sorry that's my stomach growling literally i i would have to witness something myself i think to to believe any of it and that's my problem with christianity in a nutshell in a nutshell parishioners Noticed that both the vicar, poor old guy and his wife, mm. whether whether it, you know, was real or not, they always appeared nervy and very sleep deprived. So they were having a bad time at Baldy Rectory. Yeah. And they had definitely been convinced. And eventually it all got too much for Guy. And he contacted the Society for Psychical Research, based 60 miles away in London. Right. Of course it would be. Where else would it the be? The Ghost Hunters. Oh, no. He told them everything that went on and said, please, we need some help. Mm-hmm. They weren't particularly interested. I bet they weren't. So, in what I would think, and I, I wonder on your opinion here, mm. I think this is a left field move, okay? He's thinking outside of the box as right. where to go next. Yeah. He contacted the Daily Mirror to see if they could help. I mean, it's a move. I'm not sure. It's a move. <laughs> I mean, they're well known for writing, obviously, and you know, supposedly giving you news. Well, <coughs> but I don't think they're a, they're an authority on anything. Oh, they weren't interested in helping, but they were interested in exploiting the situation to sell newspapers. Of course. So they sent a reporter. Brilliant. Though to be fair, oh, he was accompanied by the famous paranormal investigator and head of the recently created Splinter Group, the National Laboratory for Psychical Research. Oh my God. A man we have met before, Harry Price. Oh, you see now, it, it kind of... The investigator of Helen Duncan in episode 87. Harry Price. He investigated the last witch in England in lab conditions. I don't think I recorded that one with you. Mm. Well, you may not have done, but we may have not met have done, him before. But we have met him. Ooh, a recurring character. <laughs> in a little wee plug for a different episode. Episode 87. Episode 87. Harry Price and the reporter arrived on June 12th, 1929. And though he continued to interview witnesses over the coming months, Harry offered no practical assistance in stopping the phenomena. He just kept saying things like, ooh, very interesting. Hmm. And where did you say this happened? Ooh, nice. The reporter, however, published six separate stories about the ghosts over the next few weeks, and this resulted in hordes of sightseers trespassing at all hours of the day and especially the night to try and see the nun. Do you know and what? the haunted coach. There is so much money to be. I think that's. I think that is my main issue with it. There's so much money to be made and so much exploitation of the paranormal. Mm. And like I said, I'm not wholesale debunking it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's just like I personally do not believe because I have not witnessed in my 35 years on this planet and counting have not witnessed or even sensed paranormal activity on this planet. So I I don't think it exists. I don't know whether I'm just... Boo to the naysayer. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, do you know what? If it's real for you, good on you, and you believe you and you do you. But it's not... It. Well, where the ghosts were pushing the Smiths to their limit, mm. the trespassing... And all the abuse. Yeah, I, I think... And the lucky Lutoris was the final straw. I, I think that would be the nail in the coffin. Forgive the pun. 
and they moved out after only nine months. I wouldn't have even lasted that long. Leaving Essex entirely nine months after that. Wow. This episode seemed to prove that only reverence from the Bull family would have the required constitution to this live. This is amazing. I'm hoping we get a great, 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 great grandson. I'm hoping we do. I'm, 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 I'm tasting a bull. Well, not quite a bull. It's okay. a cousin of Harry Bull. Lionel. 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 <laughs> Brilliant. Lionel. Lionel. Algernon Foister. 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 Algernon. Lionel Algernon Foister. Oh, a, a normal name, that died name a death. for a very <laughs> normal person. No, I imagine the moustache was unreal. No, very sickly man. Lionel oh. had only just returned from a long stay in Canada, where he took hey. <laughs> when he took up residence in October 1930. Mm-hmm. He brought with him a wife called Marianne who was 20 years younger than him and who he had first met when he had baptised her as a child. Oh, now that's dirty. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there is everything wrong with that, you dirty bastard. Dirty bastard priest. If there is ever an abuse of power, you are going to find it within the church. And I I don't like saying it because that is such a sweeping fucking statement because there are some vicars that do some outstanding work. As I said, I know one. I know, I get it, but bloody hell, if you're going to get an abuse of power, you are going to find it within a church setting. That has made my stomach he was He was 50, she was 30. Duh. Lionel himself was Duh. a sickly man who was often confined to a wheelchair. And it was common... Oh, so it was a fucking catch then. It was common knowledge that Marianne was regularly stepping out behind his back with other men. I bet she was. He, he fucking cradle-snatched her. Amazingly, would you believe that she found Borley, population 130, to be boring? I, I don't... I, I completely agree with her. It probably would be. And she preferred to be at a flower shop in London that she part-owned for the vast majority of the time. Can I just ask, you know all these balls... Balls. All these balls. All these bulls balls. <laughs> bulls, balls and bollocks. Yeah. No, <laughs> all these bulls. Yeah. Where did they go? Did they just stay? I mean, no, they were all in the local area. They stayed around. They just didn't live in the rectory anymore because that was for the diocese. It was for the church, so they right. couldn't stay there. Yeah, once there I just, I just, involved. I just, what, I just wondered. What like I say, they were local them. landed uh, family, so yeah, they just went back to living in the country homes. Mm. Now, the constant worrying regarding the whereabouts of his wife meant that Lionel was—he was already at a high baseline level of stress on any given day. Well, this is what you get, mate. This and is potentially, sensing that weakness, the spirits residing in the building immediately ramped up their activity. They added moving items around, throwing stones, random outbreaks of fire, and. <laughs> Arson! Amazing! And writing on the walls to their repertoire messages. Ooh. The messages were often addressed to Marianne directly. And it is strongly suspected that she had a hand in these and many of the other new phenomena just to try and make her life there a little bit more exciting or to try and kill off her husband. Both. And And be able to blame it on the supernatural. just piss him off a bit. However, she definitely could not be accused of conducting the most impressive addition to the repertoire of Bully Rectory. What happened? What was the most? The appearance of the ghost of the Reverend Harry Bull himself. No. He's gone from being an observer to being part of the cast. Yeah, the observer, because remember, the first one made all the shit up in the first place. Well, he will be seen, front and centre, top of the main staircase, stomping about the place in his favourite dressing gown. So he's comfy in the afterlife. Oh, well. That's nice. I wonder if that's what he died in, because you do know... He died in the same room as Henry Ball, the blue room. Right. In Bawley Rectory. So, yes, there is a room that the bulls go to die in oh, as very well. Good. Because <laughs> it's just, it's so you know. Where's oh. he gone? He's gone to the blue room. I'll oh, ring the undertaker. Jesus Christ. Right. Last rites, everyone. Last rites. But at least they're well, they're well versed in that. So we're yeah. all right. No, <laughs> what you I'm going to say. Last rites is Catholic. Do you do? You don't do that in yeah, Church you of do. You can, you, you, C of E, you can request. It's not given as Do a, they do it in Latin? It can be done in Latin. Oh, bloody hell. I'm just saying. 
Um, but no, what I'm saying is, you do know the rule that whatever you wear last, that's your death outfit. Right. So, you're so saying, I'm saying he must have died in his dressing gown. As soon as I feel ill, put on me duds. You know, just just think about it. You know, when you kind of like getting towards the end, that whatever you're dying. <laughs> Okay, that's what I'll. That's what I'll be. That's pre- your death outfit. If I ever hit my nineties, that's when I'll hit my fashion peak, just in case. <laughs> just, just like, start whapping out the pieces, just like woohoo! Check out my suit. Hopefully, I'll finally have disposable income at that point. Yeah, that'd be nice. Things got so distressing for Lionel in his wheelchair that two of the Bull sisters, who after all were his cousins, mm-hmm. took it upon themselves to visit Harry Price again and ask him if he couldn't give the case another chance. So, Harry Bull, yes. who died in the blue room in his dressing gown, mm. how much older was he than these sisters? He wasn't. He died young. Oh, right. Okay, mm. that makes sense. Okay. And th- it seems like a lot of the Bull sisters live to be very wizened old crones going, uh, I told you so. Mm, okay. Why can't we live in the rectory anymore? I, I told you. No, you don't listen to You're not to using me. half of the rooms. We keep him nice. You don't need him anyway. Mm. Harry Price agreed and, having experienced some of the new tricks himself, including an occasion when the spirits apparently turned glasses of wine into, and this is his description, an unidentified inky liquid. Ink. I think he put ink in some liquid because it never happened before then, this transmutating wine, and it didn't happen after Harry was there. This was a one-off just for Harry Price, the famous paranormal investigator who has no vested interest in juicing the story and making it more exciting. Yeah, and it's just completely fucking random. But he was very keen to conduct a thorough investigation. I bet he was. I bet he was paid handsomely for it as well. Well, see, he told Lionel that he wanted to do a full investigation and Lionel was happy. But then he added something along the lines of, though we will have to exclude all the tricks your wife is clearly playing on you. And I'm not talking about the dozens of affairs. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Lionel was so incensed at the attempt to besmirch the good character of his lady wife. Oh, that come on. He knew. He knew she was knobbing behind his back. Well, he threw Harry Price out and said, never darken my door again. You. You're what, what army? You, man. I mean, those in glass houses should not... So without the aid of a paranormal investigator... Yes. In January of 1932, he contacted the Mark Tay Spiritualist Society to ask if they would be so kind as to cast out the spirits of Borley Rectory. We yeah. need an old priest and a young priest. Uh, the, these are these are um, plucky amateurs. Oh right. Okay. Led by, and prepare yourself for this one. Right, I am. Guy Lestrange. <laughs> that is not his real name. No. 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 Lestrange. Please. Which I 100% guarantee was not on his birth certificate. No, um, not even a little bit. A group of spiritualists did spend a night in the rectory. Right. And amazingly, following this intervention, it is reported that the more extreme events stopped. Now, this might be because Guy Lestrange can command the dead. No. Or more likely that Mariana got bored torturing her husband because he hadn't died and yeah. had decided to take the opportunity to stop. With a plausible reason. Oh, well done, Lionel. You got rid of the ghosts. Yeah. Lionel stayed another three years, with only the relatively benign nun, ghostly carriage, and his phantom cousin Harry occasionally being seen about the place before he moved on to the bright lights of Ipswich, <laughs> where Marianne could finally... Yes. ...you know, indulge in all of the amenities that a metropolitan hub like Ipswich has to offer. Absolutely. No, I, I, you see, I like, I like like these these ghost tales where it's just like every so often you get a glimpse of something. It's like no, every so often, I think I've seen something out of the corner of my eye. Is it a cat? Is it Do a bit of that, fluff? Are you saying these guys are too brazen? This nun needs to sort of slow down, save it. No, that's not what I mean at all. I'm just like you know, you feed the mind something, mm. and you. Because, like, there's a lot of noise in everyday life and you do catch things out of your corner of your eye. You can convince people it is anything, is what I'm saying. So, you know, you're walking down the road or you're near, you're near this rectory and you see something out the corner of your eye 
and you've been told this tale time and time again. It is now like decades old, and by this point, it is. you are going to convince yourself it's the nun, hmm. and it wasn't. It was. It might have been a paper bag. Mm. Well, you know what I mean. Do you know bags. what I mean? So it's just like it's now so ingrained into folklore in this area that even if you see something, you can you will convince you're yourself you're primed and ready. Hold on to that thought. We'll come back to it. Okay, it's a good thought. It is a good thought. The next, and as it turned out, the last rector of Borley Rectory. All right, was a man called Clifford Henning. Okay. who took up the post in 1936. Henning, I've heard that name before. Mm. Former Blackburn defender, Henning Berg. No. Part of the uh, Premier League winning team. I'm glad you listen to me sometimes when I talk football. Wisely, Henning didn't move into Borley Rectory itself at all. The comedian. Henning Vane, yes. Henning Vane. Instead, Clifford Henning, not the comedian, mm. he and his family made themselves at home in Liston Rectory down the road. Okay. This was an obvious choice, as not only did Liston Rectory not suffer from daily hauntings, Mm -hmm. but it also had electricity and running water, which Borley Rectory never had. And the two. Oh my god. The two parishes were joined. You know, if you were. Oh, so they were twinned. It was like a twin parish. So the thing is, at no point did anyone after the Bulls actually need to live in Borley Rectory. They could have all lived in a smaller, more manageable rectory in Liston. Newer, updated. Yes. Why the hell? I think part of it because of the ghosts. You want to be the vicar right, who then lives you know at the haunted what? rectory. They have none, none of my sympathy. Sympathy. Mm. None of my sympathy. None of my good. No, because they thought it they was. Did they didn't it think to it was real. They did. They didn't think it was real and until they, they got, got there. No sympathy. Mm. It's only when they got there and realised the nun existed. No, it didn't. It does. No, it doesn't. Henning was, however, obsessed with Borley Rectory, to the point that his parishioners complained that he spent more time there investigating the paranormal than he did visiting them and ministering to them. He was being pressured to sell the now severely... Hang on! All these families bloody fed this. They can't then go back and go, oh, no, 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 no. Well, they were like, if you lived there, you could do that on your off time, but because you live somewhere else... why would you want to? It's essentially a shell. Yes. Nah. Now, you can't have your cake and eat it, not in this world. Either way, he was being pressured to sell the now severely dilapidated Borley Rectory because no one's living there. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead, he contacted Harry Price to see if he would be interested in renting the building to finally get to the bottom of what was going on. Right. Harry jumped at the opportunity and they agreed a year-long lease for the low, low price of £30. 30 quid? He rented a haunted house for a year for £30. It's fucking steal. It is. Considering... I'd paranormally investigate it for 30 quid. Well, Harry didn't, because in order to ensure that the records were not open to accusations that he had engineered ghostly occurrences in order to drum up <laughs> publicity he himself... definitely did. Well, those accusations, to be fair, have been levelled at him before, and at least once they were justified. Yeah. Including at Borley Rectory. Yeah. Because during that visit... Some of the uh, stone throwing was seen. Yeah. And one of the people who was accompanying Harry Price just put his hand into Harry's pocket. And guess what was in there? Ink. Stones. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I thought it was going to be the ink as well. No, that was in the other pocket and luckily was never found. Oh, right. But he decided, Harry, he's going to sidestep all of that by outsourcing the actual observation to others. And to do this, he put an advert in a newspaper. Oh, my God. Was it Was it the uh, the mirror? Uh, possibly. I mean, to be honest, they've got a good working relationship. Do you want to hear the advert, though? Please. Verbatim. Yes. See if you'd respond. Okay. Haunted house. Responsible persons of leisure and intelligence, intrepid, critical and unbiased, are invited to join a rotor of observers in a year's night and day investigation of an alleged haunted house in the home counties. Printed instructions supplied. Scientific training or ability to operate simple instruments, an advantage. House situated in lonely hamlet, so own car, essential. Yeah, I'd apply for that. Mm. I'd see that and I'd go, I've got, I've got to do that job. Once in a lifetime opportunity mm. right there. You'd, you'd, I mean, that that is a story that will go down 
well, it's for generations at every dinner party. That is the story that you would. Do you drag know my great grandma once uh, did some? Yeah, you'll never guess. But way back when, my nana did. So, so she was, oh, what, what an opportunity! Well, he received over two hundred replies, and he selected a small group who he felt would be the most trustworthy. Okay, it is likely that this year-long investigation and the subsequent book that Price published, of the course. most haunted house in England. Mm-hmm were the inspiration for Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. Amazing! Considered really? to be a perfect example of the American Gothic horror novel. Yep. Unfortunately for Harry Price, despite trying to ensure that he could not be accused of cheating by asking others to do the observation, mm-hmm. it was the printed instructions, quotations, mm. that many people point to as being the reason that the results of this year-long experiment cannot be trusted. Okay. The pamphlet he gave to his observers, known as the Blue Book, mm-hmm. contained detailed descriptions of what the observers might experience based on previous phenomena reported. Yes, yeah, see, this is see, we did this, we did this in psychological critical thinking, and it's planting the fucking seed. Going back to your idea of priming, priming which is people. what a lot of those crusty old no fun sceptics say about the entire experiment they're like if you tell someone and you may see a nun floating down this particular path they're probably after a few months of being bored out of the schools gonna see a nun floating down that path yeah or you know like i said out of the corner of your eye something you know a cattle run past and did you see that oh i definitely oh that's the fucking nun you know what i mean it's that that, that will happen that will happen it's the power of suggestion well would you believe that the observers, mm-hmm. these objective, totally non-primed observers... It's dreadful. It's a, it's a terrible way of conducting any kind of experiment. Well, they did record lots of unexplained phenomena during their year-long stay. Oh, was it exactly by the book? But even that was quite boring, so they also conducted a seance to see if they could finally figure out the identity of this mysterious nun. Right. And they did. Go on. I can't wait to hear this. In fact, you know what? I'm going to go for a wee, and then you're going to tell me. So, via the 100% legitimate and totally unimpeachable method of seance, yeah, they discovered go on. that the nun, who had been walking up and down the same path yeah. for nigh on 70 years, yeah. was called Marie Lair. She was a French nun who had left her religious order and travelled to England to marry a member of the Waldegrave family. Right. The owners of Borley's 17th century manor house, Uh Borley Hall, Hall. which is a very inventive name for a manor house in Borley. Mm. While she'd been travelling from France, the young Waldegrave had found a better prospect over here in good old Blighty. Oh, that's a bit sad. And when she turned up, rather than follow through on his promise to make an honest woman of her, he lured her to an old building that just so happened to be on the site of Borley Rectory. Right. And he he, he didn't marry her. He didn't marry her. (laughs) (laughs) He murdered her. Oh, right. Okay. So it's nothing to do with a Benedictine monk and 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 a nun being bricked up for having shenanigans. No, no, no. No, it's nothing to do with that. Right. This was a 17th century... Because I haven't uh, forgotten that story in yeah. nonsense, by the way, because that was, that was what was told originally. Well, no, 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 that was just, you know, misinformation. This is the no, true story, because no. this is from the nun's own dead mouth. She was murdered. <laughs> right, OK, they t- she sat down and went, you'll never get let me settle down. She's sharing the story here. She was murdered in right. this building that was on the site where Borley Rectory now sits. Yeah. And then her body was either buried in the cellar or thrown into a disused well. She couldn't be sure about that at the time because she was busy being murdered. Because she was she was dead. It was quite a distressing time for her. Yeah. Right. With this salacious slander added to the story, mm. Harry Price's book became a bestseller. I bet it did. Mm. Clifford Henning, for his part, had enjoyed regularly visiting the ghost hunters at Borley. Mm. And he was probably very upset when Harry Price decided not to renew the lease having yeah. gotten everything he needed to ensure that he would make a sizable sum of cash. 
So he's he's got his story written. So essentially, he's like he's bled it dry. Yeah, he's he's taken everything he needs, and yeah. Henning's like, so next year we doing it again? He's like, no. no. I think I think probably we we've, we've done it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think if I did another one, more tales from Borley. No, no. Mm. You see, it it wouldn't be as good a seller. The first one's always the best, anyway. Mm. Pressured by the bishops. Henning eventually had to sell his own little haunted house oh. to Captain William Hart Gregson right. in 1939. Okay. Captain William Hart Gregson immediately insured this dilapidated, tumble-down house for a ridiculously large amount of money. Oh, right. Did he now? He did. Did it disappear? He, he bought it in January of 1939, I should point out. Right. In in February, did it burn down? Well, what happened was, right? Right. Go on. It, on the 27th of February in 1939... <laughs> I knew it was going to be February. Go Captain on. Gregson, he was busy moving in. He was unpacking boxes oh, of his own it? possessions. Of what? TNT? Well, no. What happened... It was his old clothes. And he used to work quite a lot on car engines. So they were quite oil-stained. Oh, rags. Mm. Mm. All the stuff you, mm. you unpack first. Mm. When you move oily, into a new the home. The rags, I mm. mean, that's the first thing we unpacked. But as you'll remember, Borley Rectory didn't have electric lighting. It didn't mm. have running water. So he he had an oil lamp that he was using to light. He keep, like, burning. Yeah, he kept his oil lamp burning. And he placed it on, you know, one of those tiny little pedestals that you put oh, a vase on. Yeah. To yeah. give it the height so that he yeah. could see what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, and as he was, you know... He was getting sweaty moving all of these things. He wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. He accidentally knocked this oil lamp that he kept burning over. And it just so happened to smash right next to one of these dry cardboard boxes full of oily rags. Mm. The fire, it quickly spread. And the house was severely, you know, Captain Gregson would say, irreparably mm-hmm. damaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After investigating the cause of the blaze, the insurance company concluded that the fire seemed to have been started deliberately. Yeah, it's arson. Yeah, which, well, it's insurance fraud is what it is. Yeah. Um, And they refused to pay out. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was, I mean, there was a few more years before the remains got torn down, but this was pretty much (coughs) the end Mm -hmm. of Borley Rectory. It's pretty sad, actually. I've grown to quite like the house. What about the ghosts? Did you grow, grow to quite no. like the ghosts? No, I was indifferent to them completely. Oh. I like the house. The next paragraph's going to be a shame for you because okay. the ghosts of Bully Rectory, they are an enterprising and resourceful group. Where did they move into? Church across the road. Of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine little ghostly bags. One with a trundle suitcase. Well, to be fair to the nun, she was walking the path towards the road oh, anyway. She was on her way. Yeah, I she mean, was halfway there. I... What about the ghostly carriage? Well, yeah. They could have packed it up, shipped it out, off they went. Easy. That's why oh, they had it. Oh, well, that's why they kept it. Just there in case go. they needed to there shoot off. There you go. And because, like I say, they're an enterprising group, as soon as they got to the church, mm. they immediately added playing the church organ when no one was around to their oh. long list of talents. Amazing. I mean, you may say that it's because the people of Borley weren't ready to give up on the notoriety that the ghosts had. So, yeah. So when everyone... That'll I be the end of the ghosts. it was quite a local tourist industry that they had going mm. there. You feel that it may have been discussed at one of those parish meetings where everyone had a vote. Do we think the ghosts have moved into the church? Is that oh, what we well, could tell I the ha- tourists? Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but I have heard the organ being played, and I swear there was nobody in there. And the local crows have taken to squawking an octave higher when they're flying around the church now. That's probably yeah. something to consider. Yeah, well, you know, when I was changing the beds in my new B&B called Ghost Hunters Retreat, yeah, um, I definitely saw a ghostly figure at the window. Mm-hmm. And you know, the bells rang yesterday two minutes earlier than they were supposed to. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were when we were guiding that small group round, those American tourists those American who pay tourists well, tip pay liberally. Well. Mm. As we were walking past the brand new village bistro, <laughs> exactly. You know, 
know what I mean? It's like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm very cynical. I'm sorry. Wow. I am a cynical woman. You see, I've left a twist mm. in the tale for last because... A twist. I have, love a twist. You have poo-pooed the nun. I have. From start to finish. I have. Harry Price came back, you know. In his, in his, I was going to say in his cardigan, in his dressing gown. Harry Price, not Harry Bull. Harry Bull's now safely ensconced in the church. In his dressing gown. Yeah, sitting in a pew. Harry Price, our paranormal investigator friend, he returned on August 17th, 1943, to conduct an excavation of the now exposed cellars. Okay. Not much was found of interest. Mm-mm. Except part of a jawbone and a skull fragment from a human female. Boom! Unless you think, oh yeah, he's just claiming that. An accredited pathologist confirmed that that is what they were. Body fragments from a dead human woman. In the basement, just where Maria claimed she may have been buried or thrown down a well, but she wasn't because she was buried and will allow her that moment of uncertainty as she was being murdered at the time that memory was forming so there he didn't plant them did he not you can accuse him of many things but no he didn't (laughs) there was quite a group of people it was like a time team dig if you imagine early time team and he wasn't time team he wasn't directly sort of digging because harry price was quite a sickly fellow himself he suffered from angina Right. So he was just kind of observing what was going on. He had burly men of Borley. The burly men of Borley. Burly men of Borley. Now there's a book. Digging. <laughs> I hope it's a picture That's book. an X-rated. Well, <laughs> Harry Price did write a second book on Borley Rectory. Oh, my God. Which he contained this. Book. Right. Okay, did we get did we get any DNA? Did we get an ID on this woman? It's a jawbone. Yeah, we all we know is that she was from Europe. France is in Europe. It's all fitting together. Yeah, but so is England. So it's is all fitting together. Regardless of naysayers like yourself, people continue to visit the site of the most haunted house in England. I know. I know to people this that day. have been. The most popular dates are June the 28th, when the Bull Sisters first saw the nun, Halloween, Natch, Natch. and New Year's Eve. I don't know why. New Year's Eve. It's not what I fancy doing on New Year's oh. Eve. To try and catch a glimpse of the nun now in the churchyard, naturally. She's moved. She's she happier. They all moved. They shipped out together, I told you. Of course. For. As a result, extra police are recruited to make sure that nothing gets out of hand on each of these nights. The ghost police. The ghost police. <laughs> and that is the story. Oh. Of the most haunted house that has ever existed in our country. Well, apparently, like apparently, this is like I said. Maybe, maybe if I saw a ghostly apparition myself, I might be a bit more believy. But I no, that's something that I don't think would ever happen. Would you like to know what source I use for this? Very much so. I used Borley Rectory, the final analysis by Edward Babs. It was written in 2003, mm-hmm. and it was a load of locals from around the Borley area assessing all the books, because there have been many, that mm-hmm. have been written about Borley Rectory and the I ghosts. I bet, I bet. There's, I mean... But they also interviewed many of the people, or relatives of the people, involved in the story. So we're talking, you know, granddaughters of the Bull Sisters. Mm-hmm. We're talking the daughter of someone who ran the local post office. They were getting as close to first-hand accounts as they could, probably for the last time, Mm. that it would be possible to do so. And a lot of these people who saw it, a lot of the villagers, the gardener, there was um, living gardeners who lived in a little cottage on the grounds called the Coopers. Mm. Everyone in the village said, even though they're saying they're seeing this phantom coach, they're saying they're seeing this nun, they're good, upstanding Christian people. And normally they are so dour and so straight-laced. That either they are playing the comedy role of a lifetime as a straight man or they genuinely believe they saw something. And it may be priming. It may be just the general feeling of not wanting to be the naysayer in a crowd of people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, you wouldn't want to be the naysayer in the village. Bloody hell. It'd be like the opposite of, like, the weird witch, wouldn't it? <laughs> the one sane the person. The one sane person. Oh, my God, no, no. You'd b- rather be part of the group delusion, wouldn't it's you, It's like really? being the accountant in Glastonbury, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wears a freaking suit. No one likes him. Mm-hmm. I do all your taxes. Shut up, Greg. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Wow. Yeah. I... Love the story. I think it's a brilliant story. I, I, I mean, jury's out as to how much of it's actually true, but as a sto- as as story goes, and you know, I have done a ghost story with you previously. Oh yes, John Atherton. John Atherton. Seeing John the nethers. Atherton, seeing your nethers. Seeing his uh, mother-in-law's nethers. Yeah, dead mother-in-law's it? nethers. What was she called? God, I can't remember, but it was something close to Nanny Cranky. It was. It was. was. (laughs) And there will be more to come because, would you believe, reading up on Borley Rectory, a load of other ghost stories were kind of thrown up and they're all in the bank for later on. Do you know what? There's there's a lot of people that love ghost stories. But my read on this... I dear listeners, that you you enjoyed our, our trip down the weird and wonderful... My read on this is that... Basically, there was a dad who just wanted to shut his kids up. Yeah. And he plucked whatever. He'd probably just that day, someone had gone, oh, you know, we had a ghost once. Mm -hmm. And he'd just taken that. Yeah. And he'd spun a yarn to his kids. And Mm -hmm. it was a family story and everyone liked it. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't mention, they had the dining room window bricked up. Because when they were eating dinner with the kids, the kids wouldn't eat because they kept screaming that they'd seen a nun. Oh, my God. And they they eventually just went, right, we're not having a window there because we will never get through a meal. No. With these kids. They could just put put shutters up, but... He was an eccentric. He was was well gone into the syphilis by this stage, I should Mm -hmm. imagine. Mm -hmm. We'll just break it up! (laughs) Could we just get the curtains? No! Just draw the curtains. (laughs) Just draw the when I say he had it bricked up, I imagined they're eating dinner and he's down there with mortar. I know, he's just like there with a bucket, just like, come on! Seeing the nun, she doesn't even come out till gone six o'clock. Daddy's drinking hour. That's what the summer house was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Daddy's drinking dinner. Don't come out to the summer house. The nun might be there, she'll get you. And if you hear screams, people saying, no, Carlos, no! <laughs> Just, just more ghosts. Yeah, it's more ghosts. Hi there, it's Emma, Chief Organiser at Consistently Eccentric. Here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week.